Hello you, tuning in to Psychomedy. It's Rafaela here from ThreadUp. ThreadUp brings exciting new changes to its services in direct response to what we learned while supporting comedians and creatives through the crisis with their mental health and including those who lost their income. Check it out at threadup.co.uk and get in touch to arrange your therapy that supports creativity. Psychomedy. I'm Nathan Cassidy, stand-up comedian and Bachelor of Science in Psychology, a subject I've been studying for 25 years and a quarter of a century of exploring the fascinating way our minds work on and off stage, alongside being a stand-up comedian for the last 10 years, has led me here today discussing the psychology of comedy. As this new, improved, bigger, longer lockdown has put the kibosh on live comedy once again, we've had to recalibrate psychomedy as a result. So for the next little while, Psychomedy will be monthly with some one-off specials and highlights programmes. A couple of weeks ago, we had the best of the American comics who have appeared on Psychomedy, both the weekly normal show and the COVID-inspired Daily Dose. But as we're charting in places like Mongolia and this week Indonesia and have been number one in Argentina, this week we bring you Global Psychomedy, the best of the comedians from around the world. Up first, we travel to Italy to speak to Luca Cupani. We spoke to him early in lockdown as we were all adjusting to the new normal. Luca told us how he was getting to grips with technology so that he could do what virtually every comedian ended up doing, online gigs. I'm trying to become more uh, tech savvy. Uh, I try to understand how to, to create content online. And although now it's a bit of a, it feels saturated because every comedian's found themselves in front of a camera talking <laughs> and yeah. and uh, also you know the last last uh, days I, I watched brian may the, the queen guitarist uh, teaching how to play when you're rhapsody in his, in his <laughs> song so i thought okay now there's a if i were just a usual uh, person on the internet and have to choose between luca cupani trying to tell jokes in an empty room in the silence or <laughs> playing guitar for when you're absolutely maybe there's a there's a gap i'm saying in quality and they're both free i wish Brian could put a, a paywall or something so that <laughs> yeah because you know, the next step we comedians we will ask money just to see uh, for, for the for the audience and they're still doing it for free so that that's a bit of a how do you say in, in finance in finance dumping you know when they when yeah. they undersell their skills and we try to sell our to, to give a price but again maybe we can focus on writing uh, creating some content um the tricky thing is that everything has to be made at home you cannot even meet with someone else and, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. so it it's it's a difficult season we have ahead whilst most comedians around the world were creating online content to stay busy skalk besedenhut got a dog uh well i got a we got a dog 
because my um, obviously being a comedian and my fiance works in the film industry we never got um our schedules were just too crazy to be able to get a puppy so um south africa they announced the lockdown they gave us like a three days heads up um so i said let's just adopt a dog now because we will not get another chance to spend three weeks and and more after the lockdown because um, both of us don't have work for for a long time to mm. actually raise a puppy. So, yeah, um, even though he's like the biggest stress in our lives, he's also the biggest joy, I guess, yeah. like children. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's so cool. That's, I didn't realize that the the president had given you three days before the lockdown. I mean, was there, was there dancing in the streets on those three days or that's um, cause yeah, we, we've got a similar situation here that we were given a three week lockdown by our prime minister, but we were given no notice on that. Cause I'd imagine that in those three days, oh, really? there was some, was there some crazy partying going on? Yeah. Like everyone tried to squeeze in their social gatherings. <laughs> they try to squeeze three months of social gathering into three days. Like there was just, <laughs> yeah parties freaking everywhere and (laughs) people were just just completely raiding the shops i don't know if it was the same in the uk but i mean we yeah it's it's so weird it's like i think in times like these people just don't hear instructions like they don't hear things they or or they hear but they don't listen because from the beginning, they said, guys, essential things will be open. The grocery stores will be open. After yep. week one, you can go out to the grocery store and stock up and on bread and milk and toilet paper and everything you need. But people just went in apocalypse style, grabbing anything and everything they could. And especially in South Africa, which obviously has also a lot of people in a lower economic bracket they said don't do your shopping for three weeks and empty the shelves because there's people who can't afford to shop to do three weeks worth of stocking up you know what i mean and you we need to think of those people as well um but yeah people just went (laughs) people just went crazy i mean i i was one of those people who were underprepared like the lockdown started and i opened the fridge i was like oh, crap, I don't have anything in my fridge. And I had to go out, mask and all, to the grocery store, which was very cool, I will admit. Like, driving in the streets, you know, we all drive in South Africa, and uh, driving in the streets with no cars. You you know that movie, I Am Legend, with Will Smith? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all acting like, like that little, now, yeah. Yeah, it, I felt like Will Smith. I was totally Will Smith in I Am Legend. I just wish my dog was bigger that he could cruise with me. But... It's just like there was a part where it literally for a second, if you suspended your disbelief, like felt like I was the last person on earth. And then I know this is unsafe and I shouldn't have done this, but for about five seconds, I I just drove on the other side of the road, just drove in the wrong (laughs) lane, just just because I could, just because I could, just because I felt like I was living in an empty world. One of the tricky things about chatting to comedians from other countries is how my English tongue struggles with their names sometimes. Like the time I spoke to... Well, I'm not even going to try. Iceland's biggest comedian, my favourite Icelandic comedian by a country mile. I'm delaying saying his name because I've just realised I can't pronounce it at all. It is the one and only Ari. Good so far. 
El Tío. <laughs> How is that even a K sound? It ends with an N. Ari El Tío. Close enough. It's, yeah, Ari El Tío. Well, you, you make it sound so easy, but at the end of that word, that isn't a letter that we have. The N? <laughs> we don't have the M. M-O-P is our alphabet. El Tío. Yeah. It's, uh, you tail yeah. off. It, it, most people here just say El John. They El just, John. Well, that's what I was going to say. That's yeah. how it's, that's it'll how it's it'll do. It'll certainly work. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ari, can I call you Ari? Yeah. Yes, Ari Eldian. That's how you say it. So once I learned to say his name, it was time to compare the comedy scene in the UK to the one in Iceland. Well, the test shows are like 180 people. 180? Yeah. Wow. Well, Things it, it, are very different in Iceland. Yeah, it's not... It, Have you ever played to less than 180? Yes, well, definitely. You just come back from Edinburgh, so maybe you did. But. Definitely, but they are, all, all sizes are so, like, everything is so twisted because it's such a small scene. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there is a... There, there are 360,000 people, and, I mean, you, you do get a crowd there. In, in many ways, it's easier to get people in in Iceland than in the UK. Yeah. Like if, if a foreign act shows up and just has a show and just puts a few posts up, there, there's always going to be someone who comes. I want to move to Iceland. <laughs> yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. You've not had my pain, Harry. No, no, no. <laughs> I didn't have to jump through many hoops. It's new. It's like the Wild West. It's still relatively new. And many countries have like a comedy scene that's only five or ten years old. Naturally, during lockdown, beyond comparing the different comedy cultures, me and my international guest would compare lockdown notes, as when I spoke to Conrad Koch in South Africa. South Africa has gone through so much turmoil, and for some people, I guess this is just more turmoil. So, yeah. uh, you know, the social contracts globally is shifting, but in South Africa, it always was uh, dicey in some ways, in that your certainty of rights, your certainty of bodily safety, your certainty of medical care, your certainty of financial security are always a little bit in jeopardy because we come from a developing world country, because we have such an incredible amount of poverty here, uh, because our healthcare system, if you don't use private healthcare, public healthcare is, is in a terrible state. So um, when we go, oh, it's terrible, there's a crisis, you're like, yes, Cape Town two years ago was about to run out of water. We we're going to be the first city on earth to run out of water. Uh, you know, I was born during apartheid, so, you know, I, I got to see some of that dynamic. So it's, it's, it, it isn't good, and it's, it's terrifying what's possible here. But uh, um, the idea of lack of security is something I think Africans are more familiar with than, than much of Europe, is an assumption yeah. I mean. Yeah. So how am I doing? Just to, to mm. I'm, I'm, I'm as far as comedy. I mean, comedy's dead here as, as it is in the rest of the world, and yeah. we're really on the verge of a recession. Basically, in a recession before this started. So uh, I don't know where we'll be doing gigs after this. We'll be doing gigs for hand sanitizer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what's uh, what's your situation during this period? I mean, you are in 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 a in a lockdown now, are you? Yes, we're in full lockdown. So yeah. um, I, I just went shopping this morning, which okay. means as you go, you can only leave your house to go shopping. You can't go jogging or walk your dog. Uh, yeah. As you drive to the shops, uh, uh, police will stop you, just ask you where you're going, look at your license, just make sure you're not up to 
you know, on your way to a barbecue. And again, as you go home, um, and then when you get home, you know, obviously you wipe everything down. So it's it's that kind of absolute lockdown. The, the president talks to us every Monday night like he's the emperor. It's very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, we get a daily one from our prime minister, yeah. It sounds fairly similar in some respects, our situation. Yeah. So we've got similar populations. There's a similar period of lockdown. I think yours is 21 days, is it, at the moment? We yeah we're set to come out uh, on the seventeenth or so of, of of April. The the big fear here, of course, is that the uh, is that we we have a tremendous amount of people who live in extremely difficult circumstances. Fifty five percent of South Africa lives on less than two pounds a day, mm. so people in that situation can't social uh, can't physically isolate, physically distance in the way middle class and Western people. Uh, generally can in general can so that it, it just means that if if, if this uh, COVID-19 hits these communities in any force our healthcare system doesn't have the beds we've got like 3,000 ventilators in the whole country and a population yeah. 60 uh, you know 60 million almost so it's it's just the levels of poverty and the, the ability to to deal with it are, are what's uh, worrying everybody yeah, yeah, it it is all about those those beds, isn't it? That's uh, yeah. I was reading you ha- you have a couple of thousands uh, compared to, I think we've got yeah um, over double that, but we're we're putting in thousands more in kind of makeshift hospitals. Um, there we go. Yeah. Any any plans for extra beds in your country? Is any in my any lounge? Ma- no. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're doing what they can, they're, but the, the biggest fear is actually the economic fallout. I mean, to the yeah. point that someone took the president to court to say, stop this lockdown, because most of our, uh, you know, our biggest income producers, the informal sector, which is like street traders and such things, and, mm-hmm. and people just are, can't do that right now. So where are they going to get money? People, even people with jobs uh, in a cleaning job, a security job or on the mines, they don't have any extra income. I know the UK also has its poor, but it's it's just, it's terrifying to think how they'll survive this. So the, the, the government is trying to do certain things, but it, it never has been grace at producing, uh, at delivering, because it's, you know, the South African government's a product of an apartheid state, so it, 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 which provided to a, for 10% of the population, ignored the rest of the country. So I... I, I a welfare system, our healthcare system, everything is structured around that 16% of the country has private healthcare and everyone else has almost nothing. So it's just that they are doing what they can and they are doing some pretty impressive things as far as distributing cash and so on. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the big fear then for comedians is, I saw a friend of mine now going, he just doesn't know how, how how's he gonna, his debit orders in the month, his bond, like the kind of some of the provisions I'm seeing in the developed world come through, like in the States or the, or the UK's uh, uh, interventions, we're just not seeing it all. Our banks are doing small things like dropping interest rates, but it's not, it's, it's not going to be enough. A lot of lockdown news often highlights how some people just won't follow the advice. So when I spoke to Brody Snook in Australia, it was a mix of despair and relief that it wasn't only the UK that had idiots. 
Australia is I'm a little bit uh, or probably a couple of steps behind us here in the UK as far as um, government uh, restrictions go. So the schools are still open at the moment. A lot of people have taken their children out of schools uh, of their own accord and a couple of schools have actually just shut down of their own accord, uh, getting ahead of the government thinking, why the fuck aren't we closed already? Um, they've started to close the non-essentials, um, but quite randomly, I read this morning, have uh, decided to leave hairdressers open, which, I don't know, call me cynical, but I don't think hairdressing is an essential <laughs> along with supermarkets and pharmacies, but uh, we'll see. Um, we'll see how long that lasts. I think they might uh, quickly close hairdressers as a result of <laughs> that choice, but um, so, yeah, I think they're pretty much heading in the same direction as us. Uh, the state borders have closed, so you can't get from state to state, even if you're driving. Mm. Um, I've got uh, a family friend of mine who was due to start a job in another state, um, and she was, you know, uh, got a house and everything all lined up, went to drive over, and you're not actually even allowed to drive from border to border. So, um, so yeah, it's... It's pretty much heading towards the, the lockdown type thing. But as you might have seen on the news and stuff as well, we've got the same idiots that exist over here going to Bondi Beach, rubbing up against other strangers, breathing in other strangers' air, yeah. you know, all that sort of stuff. They just can't be stopped. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so it's good to know no that. Exactly. Least At least they've got their highlights done, Nathan. So, you know. That's that's what's important. But, uh, yeah, so hopefully people are starting to properly cotton on. And I think uh, another issue with following uh, government rules and restrictions is pretty much plainly that no one respects our prime minister after the bushfires. Right. Um, so, you know, you've got this guy going, stop doing this, stop doing that, yeah, 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 and everyone's going, mm, yeah, but you're the worst thing that's ever happened to our country, so fuck you, um, which is pretty much the Australian mentality in a nutshell. India is a country that has a very new comedy industry. But as our old friend Anavab Pal told us, not only is comedy new, but so is dealing with mental health. Not being from a sort of first world advanced culture with mental health issues, I think we really need some serious mental health professionals. <laughs> uh, so if, if, if you know of groups of people that want to live in a hot country, um, <laughs> that has an economy growing at 7%, you know, that please send them our way. Um, it's a new profession, and we were not ready for the, an audience as large as it turned out to be. So, nor were we ready for the sort of mental trauma, anguish, effect on family, uh, financial things that come with this sort of deluge of freelance petty stardom, you know. <laughs> um, so we're all grappling with it. I think it helps. I got into comedy at 33. I'm 43 now. Yeah. Um, I'm 31. And I'm, I think it helps having not done this in my 20s. Yeah. Um, I had a script writing life and I used to work as a business journalist. I had pretty much a, normal is not the right word, but a, a profession where I met human beings on a daily <laughs> basis. And, and, and as did you, Nathan, right? Like the, the, yeah. It was a world where, you know, you were surrounded by some sort of community, uh, even though the workplace is not really a trusted shared community because we're all 
kind of trying to get promotions and get paid more than other people. So it's a very hostile community. But yeah. there were other human beings. And having a taste of that and having lived a normal life and bought a house and got married and stuff, I got into comedy at least having experienced some of that. So when I saw this alternative life of, you know, going to work at 8 o'clock at night, <laughs> spending entire days in world cities that you don't know on your own, mm. not talking to anyone and then going and talking to 500 people and then going and talking to no one for the next three days. Yeah. At least you know what normal life looked like. <laughs> so there was some balance or adjustment to that insanity. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think a lot of my colleagues and friends in India did not have that. They were, yeah. A lot of them were YouTube stars and, you know, they 17, 18, come out of college, yeah. put up some comedy videos and suddenly you're a celebrity and you're flying around and you're probably single, although I don't know if that has any effect on anything, but you're not ready for what happens to your mental health. So mm. I still talk to a lot of friends and colleagues who... Breakdown is not the right word, but we're always on the edge of something. Right. Saying, ah, oh, I think I'm just going to burn down my house. Oh, I don't know what that <laughs> is. But I think it's hard when you're 24, 25 in a culture where this has just suddenly exploded. And we haven't had the benefit of what you've had, which is at least 40, 50 years of this with, you know, enough comedians giving up or succeeding and balancing or jumping out of a window. You know, like there is a, <laughs> a tradition of stuff that people have dealt with and, and a if nothing else, a chronology in a body of work with mental health issues. We're starting at ground zero. When we did The Daily Dose, one of the positives was that I could talk to comedians anywhere around the world. As a result, it was great to catch up with great comedians like Brendan Burns and just talk shop. Stand-up's the most selfish of all the art forms. Uh, but the, the reason it works is there's a generosity of spirit and enough neediness there that the payoff is that the audience gets to laugh with or at you and release endorphins. Because mm. if they weren't, we would be insufferable. It is the only art form that is basically saying, I am so interesting that we're going to sit in a room for an hour and listen to what the fuck I reckon. <laughs> like, like, actually, these days, there is one thing, one thing that is more selfish and even less altruistic. And that's right-wing pundits. <laughs> right-wing pundits go on the road now and do live talks. And, I mean, there's the odd laugh. <laughs> well, I mean, what do you... What? Glenn Beck live? What? What? <laughs> Alex Jones. Alex Jones is the only thing more selfish <laughs> than stand-up comedy. Yeah. Which, which at the very core of it is, I know what's really going on, and you will be more informed from watching me. That whole episode with Brendan was amazing and one of the highlights of Psychomedy. He opened up in an incredible way about his personal life. Please go back and listen to the full episode. It's mind-blowing. Now, there were a few international issues, aside from COVID, that made the news last year, Brexit being one of them. So it was interesting to see what the Italians made of it all when I spoke to Francesco De Carlo. You've had kind of a series on Brexit and books on Brexit. Brexit is a word which we have stopped hearing 
in this country yeah. and maybe maybe in Italy as well. Has there been any feelings, uh, any any thoughts about that now? Are you yeah. still thinking and writing about that, or has that now been put on the back burner for a while? No, it was it was my nightmare for three years. Now yeah. I, I have a, a major you nightmare. A new, <laughs> yeah, a new nightmare. Yeah, you a thought Brexit nightmare. was bad. You thought Brexit yeah, was bad. Exactly, exactly. No, um. I'm very curious because I, I I love the UK. I always love the UK. I would like to to spend there uh, um, more time. I have friends and uh, I love uh, British people, and especially I love the British comedy, obviously. Uh. And uh, so it was my dream to come there. I was supposed to to be at the Soho Theatre in London in uh, July, yeah. and uh, I think we'll cancel uh, the the date. Uh, we we are still seeing what's going on. Obviously, we are not uh, sure about. I've seen that the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh has been has been cancelled. Indeed, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so it's. Um, I think that before Bre- before thinking about Brexit, we have to to um, get over this uh, this moment of uh, of uh, difficulty. I, I feel that after it, you know what is what is strange about this virus situation is that we were. In a moment in which we needed uh, uh, to stop thinking about uh, borders, you know, and and we had a a major international threat, uh, which is uh, we doesn't care, which doesn't care about borders at all. So, and the first thing that we are doing it is to shut down borders, (laughs) and you will see, you will see, will happen in the UK for sure. Um, Here in Italy. Uh, everybody's with um, not everybody, but a lot of people uh, use the, the the Italian flag on the balconies just to show appreciation for the country, which is oh. normal because you need something to you know to to for keep people together and understand. And it's the same thing is going uh, going on in France and in Spain, and it will happen. I'm sure about. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that it will happen in uh, in the UK. But the the fact is that. Probably is the moment to stop thinking about uh, each everybody as a as a separate countries. We need international policies. We need uh, um, to accept that people travel the world. Mm. We can you cannot stop people from traveling the world. And the viruses they don't care about borders. So I feel that in this moment we should rethink about the European Union. And uh, this is the last chance for the European Union. So uh, if the European Union um, proved to be uh, aware of what's going on in, in the, a lot of the southern countries, especially, and, and help people, we will start thinking about Europe in a, in a proper way. And, mm. we will, and it will be not an enemy. If the European Union starts to close borders and not helping people, I think that's it, it will not survive. So there will be a lot of Brexits <laughs> all around Europe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it just seems so crazy now. Just looking back into the recent past, we spent three years talking about this and talking about this uh, as if it's the most important thing in the world, talking about and dividing people. And then this comes along to remind us that we're not so divided. Something can affect us all and we have to come together and we have to come together in a different way and um, with a sense of unity and optimism to fight a single 
a single yeah. thing. It's uh, it's it's been God. It's been yeah, a crazy few months. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. virus, they don't care uh, if you are from Italy, if you are from the UK. Yeah. If you pay taxes, if you don't pay taxes, <laughs> which is which is very important in this moment to understand why we pay taxes because we need. <laughs> you know, in Italy uh, there will be huge cuts in the public health, and uh, now. I think that everybody is uh, regretting the, the choices of the last 20 years, probably. It's a moment to reconsider a lot of things. Yeah. We have to reconsider a global strategy, but uh, we, we will do it as soon as uh, we go out of this emergency. But the main news and topic of conversation was obviously COVID. So let's go back to Iceland and see how they maybe managed to get things right. It's Ari. Ari. <laughs> There's like a theme here, like a, a virus-free hour every day between eight and nine in the evening. Like do nothing, like do not do anything that makes you think about the virus. And oh, really? Yeah, and it's like a like the head, the chief constable who's become uh, like the kind of nation's leader throughout this. Um, uh, this is something that he is always reminding people to do, and apparently it works. Like all phone lines that have to deal with say that like activity drops completely for one hour <laughs> right that's such a great idea that is such a yeah, great yeah. idea what what time yeah. of the night is that i think it's been it's between eight and nine in the evening so oh, nice. the thing is people watch like the, the the icelandic bbc roof people watch the news between seven and seven thirty and then ah. between seven thirty and eight you get some follow-up programs on it yeah and then you're supposed to not think about it for an hour and i mean that is mindfulness, man. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Thank you, Ari. Thank you, everyone. That is our show for this month. As I said at the top, we're now monthly. Back at the beginning of March with another very special episode. Catch up on over 100 episodes from Series 1 and 2 of the podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify UK, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're missing a daily dose of me, then miss me no longer, as I have another podcast this year mixing comedy and piano, and that's called Daily Notes. Here's a little clip. Welcome to Daily Notes. Just a sausage roll on a year... This is the key. It doesn't have to be shit to be for charity. Comes into the Queen Bee. What happens? (laughs) And then it turns out, oh, um, I've got got an um, onomatopoeia. Onomatopoeia, I've spelt onomatopoeia. Na, 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 na. I creatively visualised it in the first episode of this podcast, and it came true. The kids got onomatopoeia, and you just got poo. <clears throat> oh, God, I can't sing at all, can I? You can get more Daily Notes via dailynotes.co.uk. If you like the podcast, please give us a five-star review and spread the word. It helps other people to find us, and only psychopaths leave three-star reviews. Psychomedy was written and presented by me, Nathan Casty, BSc in Psychology, produced and edited by Mike Hansen, BA English, for Pod People Productions. Theme music by Mike as well. So that's Psychomedy. Please subscribe and rate and listen back on all the great episodes so far. They're listed and there's video clips and more at psychomedy.co.uk. And if you'd like to support the podcast for £5 a month or whatever you can afford and get loads of bonus uncut video and more, please go to patreon.com slash Nathan Cassidy. Follow us on social media at Pod People UK at Psychomedy Pod at Nathan Cassidy. 
Thanks so much again for all the support during this crazy time. Thanks to all the wonderful guests so far. More psychomedy next month. Much more psychomedy to come when things are getting back to normal. And I think we can finally say that soon we will be through this. Lots of love to you all and see you again soon. Bye. Ball.